got your knives and your balls, got your grapes and your berries, got your tackle and your stone, you got your lightning and your hairs, got your hangers and you got your knives, got your poop and bristle pads, you got the Bonzi's bowl bag. Fancy ball bag question. You're first up, James, as usual. Ronnie, what about this as as something you could call an inner heat on tour? Yes. Best or uh, average wave score or best wave score without priority or most wins without priority. Is there is there a way you can bring that like I know Medina does it a fair bit. I'm pretty sure um, Philippe does as well. How many times they get a score that counts or they win a heat without priority? All this, uh, all this data is starting to be correlated. Yeah. Um, I, I think. Do you have you know, a David Middleton at all? Or what? Yeah. Do you have yeah. a one? Yeah. yeah the, I know I couldn't fucking believe it or speak not, English. Believe there was a, a guy working for WSL for a while whose name was Michael Jordan. I used to love getting his <laughs> emails. It's like, oh, the king. But, uh, yeah, he, he was um, just – Correlating years, and it was such a big job because that just hadn't been done. Um, Mano Zul, who who did the first um, live scoring system, a Brazilian guy, he used to keep uh, a lot of the data, and they had to like correlate the information they'd collected and his information. And there was areas that were a bit cloudy, so we were sort of reluctant to read the. Yeah, what it you was. had to do your own homework. Yeah, you were just do you, delving do you look through at old that? heat like, draws. Yeah, that, that's kind of my question. Do you oh, look at yeah. that yourself? Like, all right, you kind of these know. guys are winning without even using priority. Oh yeah, things yeah. like that are huge. Yeah. But like, you know, but in calling a heat, you know, you and writing that stuff down and collecting it for yeah. an entire year is it's quite huge. time consuming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, things like that, are, I think, are the future. You're yeah. right. That that sort of information is huge. I know um, Stab Magazine. Uh, that they're getting pretty onto it with their breakdown of the the broadcast, the sport, the stats, yep. and uh, they did one just on um, who's actually getting CT victories um, without doing airs, and it was kind of just mind blowing the the stats. You can't you can't do it anymore. You, you got, can't. You, you got to do airs. Yeah. To get wins, you got to do airs. So like that was an interesting one. Obviously, unless you're at pipe. Or whatever. Just Condo's just come back quickly. Would he just wait on a second? Oh, mate. Condo just did a piss outside. I went for about, I'm not joking, four and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he must have been sitting here. No wonder he's been so quiet. He's just been hard crossing his legs. <laughs> Tucked it all in behind his thighs and just gone, fuck, just another five minutes. He's <laughs> Borny, I'm back. But I thought got, we were going to be flooded in. You've actually got the privilege of uh, asking a ball back question. Yeah, yeah, I've got one. Uh, <laughs> been commentating for a long time, dog. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, as a top-line commentator, you've got to be critical of these guys who aren't necessarily great at taking criticism. Uh, what's been your biggest call-out? Oh. Because I know yeah. you've got a few. Uh, but, you know, you're dealing with huge egos. You're dealing with guys who, uh, when they come in, they're not great at taking responsibility for their mm. loss. They're, they're blaming other people a lot of the time. Uh and then on top of that, hearing criticism of the way that they performed or their strategy in a heat or whatever, you know, they're, they're coming at you, a guy who obviously hasn't surfed on tour, probably never made it through a junior heat, don't even think you got through a heat of board riders. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got it. <laughs> fair. fair. 
No, you gotta you gotta share with the the crew here. Uh, you know your best call out because there must be a few. Um, there's been a couple for sure. Um, but usually no, if you get to the point where you're having a conversation with someone, it, it you can kind of iron it out. Um, Julian Wilson had a go at me one time at Bells, and I think the reason why is. Um, I'd known I saw Julian surf and covered the contest, the Cadet Cup when he was eleven surfing against Jeremy Flores, who was like twelve at Narrabeen. So I'd kind of been there and uh even had sort of, you know, dropped in and said g'day to the family when I was up in Coolham. So like there was like a we knew each other pretty well. And um yeah, he called me out one time, but we, we had a conversation. I was going, mate, it's not personal, it's just an opinion. You know, it's yeah, but he he was cool. He he just wanted to air his frustrations, and I sort of got to put my point of view across. And um, you know, I get it. These guys are putting so much hard work into to what they're doing, and they're so determined. And uh, you know, it, you can kind of, from their perspective, throw it all away with a, a comment. So yeah. um, that w- that was one. But um, Kelly's definitely called me out a few times. Um, and just off the back of actual true facts, nothing personal. Um, there's always a thing, no matter like what kind of accent you got, you have people are going to say that there's bias there. And I've been asked before, I was like, you know, there's just a, an opinion that people think you want to see the Australians win. I, I actually don't care who wins. When William Cardoso won in Uluwatu, I, I enjoyed that victory as much as watching – Freaking, I don't know, Taj or someone winning on the Gold Coast. It just doesn't worry me. I didn't get invited to Williams' party, but uh, <laughs> well, you don't, well, you don't have but, to. But you know, I just don't yeah. care. I just want to see like a good story play out. Yeah. Like, and William Cardosa's story is unbelievable. Like to break through and get a win. Like Keanu was saying, like I, I don't care who wins. I really don't. And um, people just assume that you do. Uh, Kelly. He just, I don't know, I, I, I just don't think people are ever really critical of him and I don't think I was ever critical. But when I was doing my homework one time, it was the first year that the WSL took over. Um, I wasn't on the commentary roster. Um, a few people, like Kieran was obviously working as commissioner at the time. He was like, has anyone spoken to you? They need an Australian on the, on the Aussie leg at least. And um, I got called up to do the Gold Coast like two weeks before the first event. So I was like, this is an opportunity, you know. It's sort of like it become a gig where you go in and you, you know, you do a few notes and you, you just sort of breeze through it and it's a lot of fun but this is like a full-time job opportunity. So uh, I put so much into it and I did so much homework around the events. My son was two at the time, broke his leg at preschool so I couldn't go to Bells, couldn't go to Margaret. So I was just like, that's it. No, that's the opportunity gone. Worked on the Gold Coast. It was all over. Um, and then they rang me and said, can you come to Fiji? And I was like, oh, my God. I just got the notebook out and was just studying like a madman. And um, Kelly had a really shit start that year. And so he – worst start that he's, he's ever had, I think. And uh, I, I got put out on the boat and I was doing post-head interviews and he came in. He had a win and I just said to him, mate, worst start you've ever had to a tour season – you know, that heat might turn things around. And it was like, to him and his fans, it was a just a negative when it should have just been a positive. But it was 
you know, like I had the, the factual information to back it up. Yeah. You know, uh, and there was more to it than that. But um, I just kind of ran through his results, you know. I was like, going, yeah, 18 years on tour and you've never been in this position. So I kind of like built it up. Um, he, he just Did said, he even answer the question? He said, thank you. He's the master of just going like blank. Right, he just went, thank you. And I said, want to elaborate? And I, I just – I was just doing my job. I, I just said, do you want to elaborate? And he was like, um, sure. And he did elaborate. But because just that tiny little exchange, Kelly fans just – hated me it was just nothing it was just such a throwaway comment um but you know then later that night or later on in the event he got knocked out and he was chilling at his table i was still doing notes and stuff and i was walking back to my room and he just calls out and he goes hey why don't you go back to namoto and i was like because all the aussies stay on namoto i was like oh i've actually i've been asking to go to namoto the whole time And um, barely, like heaps of, there was like a table full of all his crew. They were all on the drink. The event was over for them and it was just awkward. And he just threw the weirdest line at me. It was so weird. He said, um, I was talking to my uh, brother today and uh, yeah, he doesn't like you. Oh, I just went, huh. I was talking to my brother and he doesn't like you. <laughs> the, next day, the next day I, I rang Vorno and I told him the story. He goes, you didn't. You didn't. No, no. <laughs> panic stations booking a flight to come over and make peace with Kelly. <laughs> I never said it, mate. No. Um, Do you laugh about that with him now? He like, never laughs about it. No, Ke- Kelly. No, Kelly. <laughs> no, well, the weird thing was, all right, so I had, I had other information just before he'd been knocked out that actually might have been the following year, but... The next day, the um, big boss producer came to me and said, hey, we've got to do this Kelly interview and we want you to do it. <laughs> and no one knew about that whole scenario. It was so <laughs> awkward. And he just – I just walked off into the, the night, you know, like basically crying. Like I was like, fuck, <laughs> Kelly hates me. Um, you know, like even though I'm there doing a job and it doesn't worry you, you can try and block it out. But, you know, like worship Kelly. Always did. Yeah. And still do. And it was like I wasn't being disrespectful. I was just yeah, doing trying, that role. Yeah. And just no one ever really goes there with him. And uh, anyway, I did the interview and when we were – they made us walk through the other side of Tavarua for some reason. So it was just he and I going to meet this cameraman and I kind of stewed on it. I was like eggy about it. I was like, fuck, I'm just trying to do this job. And he's calling me out. And um, anyway, we're walking the island. He's like, hey, man, sorry if – I made you feel uncomfortable last night and I was just like, yeah, it's all good and just was stewing on it in my head, sat down, got mic'd up. Kelly, you've never had as bad a start to a competitive season as you have <laughs> this year. And he actually was totally like accommodating and responsive and um, my next question was, I didn't get to tell you this the other day but um, it's been an amazing run here. You've never ever been beaten by a regular footer in Fiji you've only ever lost to natural uh, uh, goofy footers and um he was like really and I was like mate never I was like you know I think he maybe lost to Michelle Berez I was like Michelle Berez the first person and like the conditions were average and like I knew that would like kind of 
bring his spirits up a little bit. And there was just a weird little stat that he probably didn't pay much attention to, but he kind of respected the fact that I'd done my homework and, and actually he, presented he him with it. He could see what you were trying yeah, to do. Yeah, and it was like, you know, it sounds sort of just like a throwaway sort of stat at the moment, but in that moment it was sort of something he could hold his head high over. He's like he never lost to Andy out there. He just never got the opportunity to surf against him, but he just, yeah, only lost to Goofies. He did lose to Victor Rebus there though, so... <laughs> Tricky Vicky. Yeah. <laughs> he, he got a lot of people, mate. Oh, he was tricky. tricky. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so Kelly was probably the big one. Fuck, that's that's golden. BB, you're up. Go you, got, you got your music one and all? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck, we haven't done that. Sorry, James. Your, your three, your three favourite favouritest ever bands. Oh, yeah. Dead or Alive, you can have them at, you know, your next big birthday bash. Who are you having? Oh, okay. My, third, or let's my say, 30th. Yeah, you're, yeah, your 21st. Um, yeah, I've I've heard this question on the show and I've given it a lot of thought. Um, <laughs> we can tell. Yeah. No, I wouldn't I'm go, just glad I asked I would the question, go with a, a music act to kick things off. Um, I would go with Jamoan. Do you ever try and get yourself out of a situation, get yourself into a worse situation? Uh, I pissed myself once. Uh, <laughs> I say once. Uh, <laughs> Pissed myself quite a few times. Um, <laughs> but on this particular occasion, uh, I pissed myself in the toilet, which was the most annoying thing. I got all the way to the toilet and pissed myself in the toilet. Because the closer you get to the toilet, the more you need to go. So, you know. And then that. Uh, and then I could feel my sock wet on one side. And I've looked down and I've just totally. Absolutely. I've got a pair of light cords on and I've just pissed myself. This is at one of my gigs <laughs> in Hyde Park in London where there's only one group of toilets, so everyone's been to the gig. So I've come off stage busting to the toilet and everyone who's been to the gig is coming out and standing. No, oh, it's fine. He fucking went on a bit, didn't he? Or whatever. Uh, but I've got to come out of the toilet going, oh, my God, so obvious. I pissed myself. Um, so I think I'm done for. But I've got a beer with me. So this is what I did. I opened the door and fell backwards and threw the beer on myself. And, oh, chief, spilled my beer. And you know, thinking I would cover it, but it was obvious that there was two sources that you could, if you'd seen any CSI programs, you could see this was coming from a downward splattery, splatter, this deep piss, just deep, deep piss, all the way down to my socks. If anything, I just drew attention to myself. I looked like a bloke who pissed himself, and then, and I saw these two girls look at me and go, huh? Yeah. <laughs> to get just get the mood right. Um, we went and saw Jamal as a family unit a while back and far out. We were fucking our eyes were popping out of our heads like yours would be. I was just fucking we were losing it there. Imagine mine if I went and seen him. But, um, does he just live up the road here or what? I've heard does he? I heard a rumor he lives in does he oh, live in Get him in. Uh, he's oh. he's brilliant. I oh, know, yeah, but Bonnie's nodding, so Full, yeah. yeah, just how someone can be that funny but it's just PG. And just like doesn't even have to swear, just incredible. Um, and recently, I listened to the Who Is Daniel Johns oh, podcast the, yep. on Spotify, and I love that. And I hadn't listened to Silverchair or any of his music for a while, but I was like, far out, man! That was like a fun era, and I just reckon 
full throwback. Have you thrashing around like you're a teenager again? And <laughs> frog I, stomp. Frog stomp. <laughs> I've ever seen live uh, Metallica Just absolutely not, not perfect. James Hetfield's just like a composer with the crowd. He just points where he wants people to sing and like everyone just screams and Lars is an absolute cockhead but really good on the drums. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Metallica, Metallica to finish it off. Oh, cool. Cool. Where was that art? Yeah, Where would you see them? Oh, I saw them at the Entertainment Centre. I went the first night and then just got home, booked a ticket, went the second night as well. Um, it was the... It was such a good concert. They played on like a massive coffin uh, that was in the middle of the entertainment centre. Uh, it was actually out at Homebush. And uh, what is it? I think it's the something. arena out there. Uh, ANZ. <laughs> oh, it was massive. Anyway, I was standing on this kudos, coffin. Kudos, kudos arena. Yeah. Kudos bank or something. That was somebody it. thing. Yep. And uh, he was just, they're all wireless. So he had mics on either side of the stage and he just run to one side. And then run over to the other side and just work the crowd. And yeah, it was just a hell show. Fuck I forgot it. how much I loved them. They're so yeah. just incredible. Yeah. But yeah, that's my three. Mate, I want to talk about the other, the other hat you wear occasionally, your modelling career. Oh, oh you yes. dog. You've taken Condo's question. <laughs> Mate. Mate, you did it. You were in a visa ad with Morgan Freeman's a voiceover. Yeah, yeah Morgan like- and I worked together. <laughs> 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 that was great. Um, yeah, that was a that was a weird one. Mate of mine, uh, Nick Morley. He um, just has so many connections in, in that world, and uh, his friends like a big advertising producer. And she was looking for pro surfers. They were all overseas at the time. She was like, "I'll get my friend Ronnie to help tee up some guys for you." So I was helping them, and then they ended up casting me in the ad. And um, yeah, big visa commercial, such a huge production. Jack McCoy shot. 16 mil film of us like surfing. That, like, that would have been an, a huge thing, wouldn't it? Just have, film, have him oh, film flying it. us around the northern beaches in a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> Never met Morgan, unfortunately, but I don't let that truth get in the way of this story. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was funny. They had us just running around, like running up to the camera, a couple of hair flicks, like daggy as you can get. And uh, it was dead set, like not even a, a half second. You know, like when you used to play with a stopwatch and see how fast you could click it? That was how much I featured on the ad. It was just a silhouette. <laughs> just a silhouette and, um, yeah, just it was unreal though. Paid good money and uh, that was kind of the highlight. Also, I might have um, 
been thrown under a bus by Shane Moran back in the day. Ended up in, uh, remember that band Train? Yes, Drops yeah. of Jupiter. Oh, I ended up in a film clip for them. You're kidding. Yeah, Puka Shell Necklace and fucking. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Me and Matty Griggs. Shane Heavy. He'll get you on some adventures oh, that yeah, year. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I got 300 bucks cash for that one. <laughs> yeah. What some about S&P. your new one for Chrysler? What's the, what's the go with that one? Uh, Lexus. Lexus. Yeah. No. Daimler, Cla- same thing. Cl- close, Barnsley. In, close. My, in my year of unemployment. <laughs> uh, in my uh, my my gap year, just recently, um, a friend of ours is a, a big uh, advertising photographer, Chris Searle, and um, yeah, he was just throwing me some work. He gave me some work as a, uh, a hand model for Michelob Ultra. <laughs> it was just my two fingers holding the top of a beer. I did that for three days. <laughs> Got paid, and I did such a good job. He put me in a um, Lexus commercial. As a um, solo hiker, which was like we're out in the middle of the forest and I'm going to bury bodies in the bush. So I was like, <laughs> no, what? See if you go for a hike by yourself, just dodgy. But like a young Ivan Milat. Uh, uh, yeah, a young, handsome Ivan Milat. <laughs> yeah. Barnsley, <laughs> I think you got uh, another one. I got uh, one more. Oh, no, just a serious one. You touched on the public speaking earlier. I remember. Uh, being an influential sort of part of you and that teacher as well. I remember Raylene Castle talking about sales. The first when she learned to sell was her biggest thing. Yeah. Like as a young kid, what sort of advice, what would you say to kids out there like when they're sort of leaving school, what would you go and pursue to sign grow a little bit? You know what? It's, um, it's really funny, but I've been in my uh, comfort zone for a while and I, I've yeah. got a job where I don't really look beyond it for growth, you know, I'm just so happy. Like people have said, wouldn't you like to call other sports? And I'm like, oh, I, I don't know if that's me. You know, I just love what I do. Um, but it, I think it's about making yourself uncomfortable. That's that's the only way you're going to get that growth. And and those moments for me were huge. Um, Mark, Mark and, Matthews. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, his yeah. great quote. Yeah, for sure. Like you just, you have to be challenged. And uh, I think that's the big thing for, for kids and – um, especially through your teenage years, you know, you think you know it all. I've got a 16-year-old. We're dealing with that at the moment. And, um, yeah, you just – you want them to take a chance and, and put themselves in a position where they're, they're not so comfortable, you know, and, and they've, they've got something to learn. Uh, so I think that's a big one. And, um, yeah, the other thing is just like – Good bit of advice so I got. Sam McIntosh used to have it stuck above his computer in the stab office. It's just that action breeds motivation. And uh, I just reckon it's the same. Like I, when I'm feeling slack or uninspired, I just, you've got to get up and just get moving and do it. Even if it's a shit job, it just makes you kind of go. And um, yeah, I, I think probably those things. So taking that action to um, do something that challenges you. Go on, mate. Gondo's got a couple, uh, a couple of serious ones and a couple of non-serious. First non-serious, uh, I know uh, single handicap golfer, so we've got two golfers at the table, James. Um, your best four ball. Oh. Or, or if, <laughs> you you could, if you could organise a four ball with anyone, who would it be? I played with Menzies just oh. after he'd done the show and he's having an absolute shocker at the moment. But uh, he was good fun to play with. He's obviously got... Golfing knowledge, but I was just picking his brain about just rugby league stories, having a great time. <laughs> Is that Des Hazel one? Got to be one of the greatest. Oh yeah, the shoe. he had some mate. beauties about Hopawati too. <laughs> none, none, that, none, none that I can repeat on the podcast, but he was great value. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd throw him in. 
he was fantastic. Um, just because you want – he'll like this too. You want someone who's playing worse than you if you're in a four. <laughs> so four so, so Menzies in, is in your – he gets a start. I'll chuck him in just because right. he's playing shit at the moment. Right. Um, <laughs> and then I don't know. I reckon um, – oh, man, you've, to play with one of those pros would be awesome. So uh, who's your pick of the pros? You just want someone that's going to have like good personality and, and have a bit of fun. Cam Smith looks like a good bloke. Yeah. Yep. Cameron Smith, I should say. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't want to play a four ball with Cam Smith, the <laughs> rugby league player. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Cameron Smith. And then, um, oh shit, I'll have to throw um, one of our, our crew. One of the guys that kind of got me into it, like Jake Patterson or Tommy Whitaker, yeah. one of those guys. They're just such golf tragics. They're absolute freaks. They just they send you new swing videos like at ten o'clock at night. They're just weird. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Who, who's the best golfer on the surfing tour? Oh, Kelly. Kelly, by by Kelly. yeah, he's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Is he is he scratch golfer or? Yeah, I've played with him a bunch yeah. of times. Actually, when he was out um, during the whole first COVID period, uh, we went and played a bit and he we played with a couple of uh, pro guys and he's like, he's on pace. He's gnarly. Really well, good. He goes Fucked to the President Cup uh, yep. and stuff. Hey? Yeah. He putts better than some pros for sure. Wow. Um, he's unbelievable. Julian's really good but doesn't play that much. Um, but, yeah, Julian can hang with, the, with Kelly for sure. He's pretty gnarly. Wow. But it's, yeah, it's such a good game. For um, for to find when you're on the tour because it's just like there is a lot of shit days where there's you know after you have a surf you kind of got some time to kill and uh, yeah it's good fun and it's good sociable time as well so yeah I've I've enjoyed it. Condo, second question. Um, we haven't spoken about it, but obviously your wife's had a very successful uh, career. In um, married well. You married well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what are the Two or three things that you've learnt observing the growth of the business that she's had that she's now moved moved on from. Oh man, just hard work. Like, there's no other way. It's just it won't come to you any other way. Like, success is just a product of you know how willing you are to to rip in. Um, she's kind of like you know got some of those similar traits to Mick. Like, she just doesn't let the the work sit there. She just clicks it off and gets it done. Um, she's like probably the most positive person that you could ever come across. So like when she's inspiring a team, it's just huge. Um, always a pleasure for everyone. It was always a pleasure for everyone to go to work with her. And um, yeah, she's just a, a, just a full action hero. She just rips in and gets it done. But yeah, she, she enjoys her work. She works hard and then parties really hard as well. So yeah. I think that that's the key. That's what I've observed. So last question to wrap it up. Um, obviously, we've got a big following on the surf front, especially I think with, uh, with youngsters up and down the coast. Uh, surf industry's changed a lot in, uh, in the period that you started at Tracks to where it is now. What's your best advice? Um, it, it's going to be the – it's hard work again. But um, it, I think you just got to um, – you got to find your your way. I think people have to get past this old formula of, you know, finding that big major sponsor and, and thinking that that's it, that's it. The world doesn't work like that. I, I've been sort of like coaching a few people through that that at the moment. Like 
um, those big contracts for guys like Mick and, um, you know, Rick, some of the, the Gabby, younger John, crew. John, all that. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, they're, they're limited. And, and the world doesn't necessarily work like that anymore. You don't necessarily need a big major sponsor. You know, the, the, you've got to almost look at social media, how influencers are, are going about making their money. Look for um, short-term partnerships that give you great return that don't take up a lot of your time because mm. a major sponsor can give you a decent contract, you know. So for a, I know for a great up-and-coming surfer at the moment, you know, if you're, if you're on 50 grand around that, you're probably in a pretty good spot. But there's a bit of responsibility that comes and a bit of ownership that that major sponsor is going to take for that 50 grand. And it's not um, an unattainable figure working with smaller partners and, and working short term. So you're not locked in for these long periods of time. Um, so like, for example, Challenger Series surfers, once you've got an opportunity and, and you've got that story to tell of like, hey, I've got four events to qualify. I'd shop that story around. Like, you know, people are looking like at, at local sponsorship or whatever and, and you can tell a fantastic story about your local area, how they got behind you and, and actually make yourself a decent salary just by working with smaller partners, you know, because everyone's so fixated on the major and it's, it's actually... I think people are suffer, suffering mentally. Like, it's just so overwhelming. I can't get a major sponsor. It's like, forget about it. Find a new way. Like, think differently. Jacko Baker did that pretty well, didn't he? He's won on the Challenger Series now from Newcastle. He got a lot of local help, I think, from that area. I'm pretty sure. Uh, same sort of thing. He was doing the Challenger Series. He's got, like, car sponsors and... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. crowdfunded and stuff. Yeah, yeah it's like, um, Ricardo Christie, the Kiwi, he did that a couple of years back, yeah. funded his QS campaign, got it crowdfunded and the people just jumped on it. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't think you're, um, you know, you got to swallow your pride. People are willing to, to get yeah, behind that. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a good thing to keep in mind. The other thing is like identifying areas or industries that are flying that maybe want to jump into surfing. Yeah, sure. And that's, yeah. that's a big thing. Like the whole camping thing is just gone so bonkers here and there's a few yeah. people on it like owens with the medic um but you know mikey wright's kind of doing the full drive thing it's like surfers have interests other than just riding a board so like go out there and make that connection with those potential partners and and see if you can't make a cross that way beautiful so well uh wrapping up uh number 56 we've had three blakeys born twice and ronnie <laughs> thanks very much for coming up from mate, Yamba, thanks, mate. It's been a pleasure. Mate, there's a huge, huge pool to dip into. Who was uh, Addo Carr saying that his dad was a bit of a slut? <laughs> I think he did. He did. He did. Yeah. yeah. He Our did. dad was a little bit the same. So, um, yeah, there's more Blakeys out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all time. Thanks, Ronnie. Yeah, thank you, thanks, mate. Thanks. Unreal. Hey. smoke here we only set fire through the microphones <laughs>